So, Lee, sorry, tell me about your, your eyebrows again. <laughs> no, let's not start there, Mark. Let's not okay. go, because it's, pr- it's a printing term, and it's caused everyone a lot of humour. You've had your um, eyebrows printed? Just... <gasps> no, I've had, I've had them wait for it. It's, I've never had it done before, but it was, you know, I was always happy to be someone's guinea pig. I've had my eyebrows laminated. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, we won't talk about that. That sounds fascinating. No, Google it. (laughs) Google Google it afterwards. I might even try it myself. (laughs) Lise, lovely to see see and hear you again. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? You're the one that's been poorly and not able to. I kind of feel as though I've stolen our thunder a bit and I've done a few shows. How are you? Good, very well, thank you. So we haven't caught up for quite some time. So the purpose of today's uh, podcast is really a brief catch-up to talk about sort of us, uh, who we are, why we're still doing what we're doing, how we know each other and those sort of things. But no, more to the point, I'm good. You're good. I've been really bad, been really poorly. I've had a few weeks um, off working as such. I had Last week was bedridden. Uh, is that the right phrase? Stuck in bed. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not, not. I was feeling really groggy and I actually thought I had COVID and then I did lateral flow tests and the PCR tests and they all came back as negative and the doctor told me you have just the flu. So um, just my Superman credentials dropped right back to weakling um, so, and uh, I, haven't, I haven't been working but it's only this week, this last couple of days where I've been actually been able to sit in front of my Mac um, and do some work. So realistically, you've just had man flu. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been told that multiple times by Lorraine. Um, but yes, I think that's yeah. what's been happening. I, I've been dying, I'll have you know. And no. how's the mansion? <laughs> no, that, that is the other problem, you see, because um, again, today we're going to talk about who we are and what we're about. And one of the reasons why I'm sort of where I am, where I am, is we have a big house here that, no, it's not a big house. We have a house here that needs an awful lot of work. Uh, and I've got so many, my to-do list on the house is colossal. And one of those is converting one of the sheds into an office. And I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, and being ill has meant I haven't really been able to do it. So there's multiple frustrations when you're lying in bed thinking, I want to be working. I want to be out there doing stuff to the house. Um, but the house is going okay. We um, Since we last spoke as well, we've got a dog. So I've got a pup who is... Ooh, what is he I've seen the picture. He's old. very cute. Oh, he is. He's a cocker spaniel, working cocker spaniel. He's a, just a he's a family dog. Um, so our little two-year-old Zander um, is besotted with him, and every morning gets up, runs down to where the dog is, and gives him a big hug, and they lick and kiss each other and all sorts. It's very cute. Um, but no, it's great being able to living in an environment like we do now, where we've got space to have a dog and all that sort of malarkey. So. And we should we should just remind people because I've had all sorts of people on lately that you're in the UK and I'm in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the, I'm based in the southwest uh, in a place called uh, county called Devon in the southwest of England, and Lisa is in Sydney. And you've not been in lockdown, have you? Because we've obviously just finished our four months worth of lovely lockdown. Yeah. So Lisa, tell I'll me about be- that. Tell me about how that's been. It's all good. It's all fine. That's why the world is suddenly all busy again because we've been. Um, I, it sounds a bit like third world issues, doesn't it? Because like, oh, I can only go to one beach, which is nearby. <laughs> um, but it's actually just, it's it's been challenging. It's been like Groundhog Day here, learning to be a creative director remotely. Plus, we've just literally only been allowed to go within five kilometers. You're not allowed to see or socialize with anyone. All of those kind of restrictions have all been lift, lifted at the same time. So last Monday, 
every pub was absolutely packed. Anyone who's been vaccinated is now free into the community. So it's, there's also a bit of anxiety of people. It's gone from nothing to everything. So I think there's also that bit like, oh, I don't know how to socialize anymore. I'm so used to being on Zoom only. Um, and I, I know we joked before this call about the fact that I was in my hoodie again, but I'd actually been in real clothes today to go into the studio. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, like, it's nice. You have to, have to wear masks everywhere. We have to wear masks everywhere. From this week, we don't have to wear them in the studio. But look, I've been going in for two days a week as part of the leadership team because we have a production studio and a photography studio. So anyone who's vaccinated has been... We've had a skeleton staff just to get the work done and the work out. We've been allowed to do that. So we've had to wear masks in the studio as well. <laughs> do you have to wear masks everywhere? But now you don't have to wear them at work or indoors. You do have to wear them outside and whenever you're kind of in shops and things. So no, but all good. The, the gym is open. It's all kind of a bit weird that everything is slowly getting, I don't want to say normal because I like to think we've moved forward from normal and everything that's happened has a positive outcome and it was there to teach us something special and amazing about the future. Um, but no, otherwise, I'm super busy. Super Lovely. busy. That's really good. And environmentally, you are, when I say environmentally, I'm, I'm talking about the weather here. Um, you're coming into the warmer month. So do you think that's going to benefit you guys in terms of, um, how COVID affects you? Yes and no. So I do, yes and no. Um, we're going to have one of the wettest summers ever, apparently. It's it's nice. Our, cl our clocks have changed and threw me the other week when I stayed up to watch football and realised it had started an hour ago. So our <laughs> clocks have changed. <laughs> oh, no. yours. Uh, I know, rookie mistake. Um, but, you know, it is summary. I do think that will probably help COVID. I can't look at cases. We have nowhere near as many cases as the rest of the world. I keep seeing that you guys have got 55,000 cases a day. My mum obviously fills me in about all of what's going on over there. So compared to that, like Australia is very sheltered from the rest of the world. Um, and it, yeah, our weather is crazy at the minute. It's not very summery. It's very wet and very stormy. Yeah, but we've got something very similar here, actually. I don't think we've got the, the warmth that you might have there, but it's been very wet here, too. I actually got a text from my car insurance company last week and I drive a smart car for anyone who's listening. It's like the smallest car in the world, which if you're in Australia, everyone laughs at because everyone has big cars. But I got a text from the car insurance company to say with expecting severe hailstorms, you may want to um, shelter your car. And I don't know if it was just me because I've got a smart car or they probably yeah. just generated <laughs> and sent them out to everyone. Because <laughs> the hail hailstones have been known to damage cars here. I know quite a few of my friends have had um, hailstones that have damaged their cars. But um, I thought maybe it was just me with a smart car. <laughs> yeah. You parked your is your car under shelter when you park it up at night? It is. It's in, yeah. it's in the work car. It's in a work car park. <laughs> oh goodness! I I know that the I remember being, when we were living in Sydney the hailstones were colossal sometimes. Sometimes like the golf balls. Damn good segue, Mark, into how we even met. And how we got to doing this little podcast. You see, you did it in there. I remember oh, when I was in Sydney. There we go. There you go. Boom. Why are we here? We're going to do a gratuitous podcast on how we know each other, why we do this podcast, why we're still doing the podcast. Yes. So go on, Liz. How, how did we meet? Well, actually, both of us landed up in Sydney, didn't we? So okay. we were working we for the same the company, weren't we? We can do a bit of the backstory of kind of where we've come from and everything. And whilst we are both from backgrounds in packaging design, I think we probably had different pathways into it. But we both ended up working for the same company in Sydney. You were the CD and I was a designer at the time. And we just, I don't know, probably was about a year or a year or so until eventually you had to go back to the UK. Um, and we stayed in touch. 
you set up this amazing little podcast and started interviewing people. And I listened, I listened to a Christo um, episode just before this, who talked about, you have to just start. So brave that you were, I don't even know what made you start the podcast and you started interviewing different people. I did. So yeah, we may have met even briefly before I came out to Sydney, but yeah, it's around about 2000 and. Now you're going to make us sound old. (laughs) I know, I know. Forgive me for that. Um, so around about 2010, I think, when it came, when we came out to Sydney. Um, but yeah, so I came back around about a year, 18 months after that. And then a couple of years after being back in the UK, I started to understand trying how to market my business and what were best to sort of, I guess, communicate opinions in a way. And podcasts were, there were lots of podcasts about and lots of people were doing it, but nowhere near as many as they were now. It seems like sort of everyone on the dog has a podcast or is, or is at least wanted to do one. But so yeah, four years ago, I was thinking, oh, I want to get, use a platform doesn't actually get used very much, certainly by our industry, um, to talk about stuff that I, I love, and that's packaging, branding and packaging. Um, hence where, how Shelf Impact as a podcast came about. Um, and then starting the best way to do it is to bring other people on to allow them to offer their opinions and not just opinions, but how they got to where they are you know, today uh, and talk about that journey. And that's when I got you on, Lisa. I was just discussing before about that you were the first person I interviewed. Um, interview with Lisa Hastings. It was when I'd gone to all the way to live in China, wasn't it? Yes. So actually, I think it was probably about 2015 when you actually set the podcast up. And yes, around like My records suggest that actually it was when we worked together, it was actually not until about 2012 or 2013. Yeah, I'm loving it. Because I'd, I'd been in You're Sydney a couple right. of years. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, so you did the podcast and it was on the time that I'd gone and decided to go and live and work in China. And so I think it gave us a good, there was nothing at the time that brought different global um kind of design worlds together i mean now we're all so connected it's it's easy right but i think at the time we would look at what was going the way to find out what was going overseas was to go overseas so i think when you and i stayed in touch it we could nerd out on what was going on in different places which i think no one was really doing at the time podcasts weren't as big of a thing so good on you for setting it up and getting it going great i don't even know how many episodes there are 30 35 we did the majority we did the majority of them last year so i think (laughs) yes um and and everyone kind of knows this now because i've told this story so many times when i do my general assembly things about the podcast and they go how are you so brave to do the podcast and i go well i used to be terrified of talking in front of people mark got me on to interview me it was super nervous but i don't think i've ever listened to that podcast back because i just can't (laughs) face the sound of my own voice But it just kind of went on from there. And I think two years later or a year or so later, you interviewed me again. And, and then we just kind of got this little click going and to such a point where I just bullied my way in. <laughs> and I was like, maybe we should just make it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it work. And it does. And I think that's the, that's the idea. And it, I guess you talk, spoke about just before about how, being able to, number one, a platform to offer an opinion. But number two, also, when we have discussions, we're also comparing two different regions. So previously, obviously, yours was China. Um, and now as you've got an Australian um, opinion about things and I'm offering an opinion from the UK and what we're experiencing. And we also, we do our little COVID updates and lockdown updates of what each nation is up to. 
And I think, look, one of the one of the good things for me is neither of us is too precious or too proud about what we're doing here. We love our industry. We love what we do. And one of the things that I think we've taken forward from probably working together, um, and whilst we were both had kind of, you know, the business we worked for had its own business challenges at the time, we kind of left that business separately as good friends. And I think to that point, like we actually love our industry. We both love what we do and how we can help brands businesses, clients, and even personal personal brands for people we've worked with kind of grow and thrive and connect in the world. And I think that's probably why the podcast works. There's no egos. We just talk about things within our industry. Sometimes we sideswipe into some general health nerd kind of topics and that's fine. And that's kind of why it works. Like we actually look forward to for the listeners that are listening. We I look forward to what are we going to talk about? What can I go and research? What can I find out and form an opinion on and then bring it to this platform. Yeah. And that's it. And that's the purpose of the podcast. And it it still has that sort of same sort of goal is just to provide us a, a space where we can uh, offer an opinion but also allow others to offer their opinions too. And we're, you know, we're very much open to communication in terms of people having sort of um, retrospective comments on what we've spoken about and have a discussion about here's a, you know, thoughts and ideas of what else we could sort of bring to the table. Um, but least moving on from the podcast a little bit um, and delving a little bit into both you, you and I and where we are, how we got to where we are and what we want to be doing. You should do your elevator pitch. You should say well, no. where you are now <laughs> and then go backwards as to where you got to. So I think we've done the titles. So I think you should say, I am Mark and I am this. If you met someone in the lift, tell them what you did today or tell them who you are this and what you the, do. This is very strange and awkward things. I don't, I'm not someone who likes to talk about myself very much. Um, and I know it's horrible, it, but that's why we're here, it, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know, and the purpose of this podcast. So I don't want it to be like a two minute podcast and just say, that's me done. Um, now I've just, I was just going to refer to, um, a little thing I've written down here is talking about what I, where I was and what I thought I was at 20 years old and at 30 years old and then 40 years old, um, you know, and how you change as a person, I guess, um, the, one of the purposes for me for this podcast is also to allow other people within our industry who are perhaps at the start of their career or in the early stages to understand that we do all change and adapt um, as we get older and we, we learn quickly um, what works for us and what doesn't work for us and not to be too concerned that certainly in the initial stages of your career of pinpointing this is, this is where I want to be and my path will not change um, because it does you know um, referring back just before, as I said before about the 20 year old me what I wanted at, when I was at the age of 20 was very different to what perhaps I'm looking to do now at, at the age of 40 and a little bit. Um, you know, I, very quickly, as a 20-year-old, you know, I was potentially a loose cannon. I wasn't particularly emotionally mature, as none of us are <laughs> at the age of 20. Um, and when I say 20, 21, that's when I probably started my sort of design career, having graduated and sort of going on to sort of taking a junior designer role. Um, and then you move on another 10 years and think, right, my goals have changed entirely. So when I was 20 years old, I wanted to sort of rule the world. I wanted to be sort of the boss of my own business or at least work more into that sort of environment and then retire at the age of 30 and go and live on a yacht. Well, the reality is that doesn't happen. And, you know, life throws twists and turns at you. And at the age of 30, you know, you, I, you know what, maybe I should settle down a bit. Um, you know, I might have a family, all those sort of things. Um, and then you become a little bit more career driven and start to spec out some kind of career ladder you want to be climbing. And then life might change, change for you a little bit and you might have to adapt a little bit again. 
So at the age of 40, you, this is again, very personal. You become a little bit more um, reflective on how you want to approach things and a bit more, um, I guess, what's the word? You become a bit more um, emotionally attached or emotionally engaged in what you're, with the decisions that you make. So you're not making it just, let's say, related to money. You want to be achieving the biggest and the best thing ever. You think, you know what? I just want to have a life which I enjoy. And every morning I wake up and I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy and looking forward to that day rather than anticipating going into, a, for example, an office environment that you don't enjoy and you're not enjoying your job. So there we go. That is me done. <laughs> and I, and I, think, I think you're a really I think you're a really different person as well compared to what you were when we originally first working together like what nine years ago or eight years ago I think you've really evolved and changed as a person and I guess I kind of look up to you in the way that you've evolved and changed as a person well that's not just career uh, driven that's also outside of work that's a divorce and a, you know life 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 adaptions that you have to think you know what life can throw anything it may you know you've had Instead of health concerns and where the doctors, you know, have told you you've got to calm down, Lee, stop racing, racing around the world, chasing a, you know, an awesome career, um, just because you know it's going to impact you as on a personal level. So, you know, life changes and, and throws these things at you, and you just got to sort of make sure it, it works for you. I think to your point, like I think you know, I think your goalposts or kind of what what matters to you changes as you get older. I guess. What about you, Liz? When you so. Let's go back. Let's break it down a little bit. I was, I was, not, I'd like, I wasn't an idiot at twenty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting think, you were. Liz, and, so. and it's, it's, so, it's something that um, I don't. I do talk to General Assembly, and for a long time, I didn't really include. I included my career timeline, but I didn't include my actual kind of life timeline because I didn't think it was so relevant. And then I went back and I thought, because I talk about bravery and I talk about resilience and I, and you know, and I kind of go, oh, well, everyone kind of looks at you and goes, it's easy for you to be brave and resilient. And you go, wait a minute. There were some actual real pivotal points that shaped who I am today and why I'm resilient and why I am the way I am. And, and I don't really want to talk about all of those necessarily on this podcast, but you know, like there was a, a pivotal point um, at 11 years old, my dad walked out the door, which, you know, at the time was terrible, but it pushed me into a point of, I'm going to prove that I can achieve what I want to achieve and achieve my dreams, even without you there, if you will. And I've, you know, since had the opportunity to go and say that face to face to my dad. And, you know, that's why I went on the podcast. I'm super close to my mom, but that actually is a mental shift in me. So I was determined. We struggled. We weren't, uh, and it was just, you know, me and my mom. So she went out and got four jobs and, and I was, I was never destined to go to university, but I made it my dream that I wanted to. So when I did get there and I was lucky enough, you know, I did go to university I worked really hard. I didn't do the whole slubbing around uni life. And in that final year, yes, I worked very hard. It was worth it, no regrets. But the year after that, when we went to London, did some advertising, I went straight from doing design straight into an advertising world. So I went to do advertising placements in London, eventually took a break. And the first time I took a break, went on holiday. And this is probably one of my things you never knew about me was smack my head on a swimming pool, passed out from exhaustion, smack my head on a swimming pool, spent a week unconscious in a Greek hospital. And so, I, and I've had a few head traumas since then, but they've all been, it seems to be, I should just walk around with a Marvin the Martian type crash helmet, but they've all been pivotal, challenging moments of my life that I've had to go, I've got to get, 
I've got to recover from this. And it probably took me, you know, like nearly a year to recover from that particular accident and, and then go back into design. But I've always been creative and I've always been in design and advertising. And, you know, the, the pathway you think it's always going to be, I thought I'd own my own business. I thought I wanted to be a creative director. I wanted to be the best version I could be. And then you kind of do get to being creative director and, and it happened a few years, you know, like what, about five years or so ago now. And then you go, okay, what next? And, and so I think I've always chased the dreams and the goals that I've got, but the goals have changed along the way. And what I get more reward from now, so as a, I am a creative director and a brand strategist, but I actually love having a team to lead and kind of set some examples and see what their individual goals and, and aspirations are and then how I can help facilitate that. So I think, it, again, not so necessarily that you're going out being an idiot at 20, but at 20 it's more about you. And then as you get a bit older it becomes less about you and more about, not for everyone, more about how you can facilitate and empower other people through your own journey. And so I think it's important, like I am super brave and I will take risks, but it's not because I've always, like I've failed a lot of times. And so I think that's, that's important to understand in the journey. And if we can help with our podcast, with, our, with whatever, by telling our own stories, inspire someone else to go, look, you don't need to give up, keep going. Yeah, I Because... I think what, sorry, so let me interrupt you there. I think the other thing about being a good manager, and clearly that's what you are, is being able to empathize with those people that you're managing and place yourself in their shoes and how, how do they feel? And us reflecting on how we were, you know, potentially if you're managing a team of designers, which might be a collection of young and old designers, but nonetheless being able to put yourself in their shoes and how they're feeling. Um, and it's clear that's what you're, that's what you're doing. There's also things, and you and I are very similar in this way, that we also got quite high standards of ourselves. And and there does come a point, I think, if you follow that through in your career, that you have to be careful that you don't push too much of that pressure onto other people. Yeah. I'm better at that now than I used to be. I completely see what uh, yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot better than I used Tolerance, to be. Tolerance, yeah, I think. Like, patience like you've got a reputation not everyone is a just do it kind of person and that kind of run at things like a bull at a gate um it's okay (laughs) we're not all the same but yeah it takes you time to you get the frustrations that you kind of pass on to other people and then you go actually not everyone is like me and that's okay because you need that balance of personalities i think that's the other thing is as a the sign of a good manager is someone that can look back or you look forward, but see the mistakes that they've made in the past, and even when they're managing people, I, think, I made a mistake then, the decision I made and the suggestions I made then aren't necessarily the way I'd approach it now. So yeah, I think the sign of someone like yourself as a good manager is to sort of um, say, look, hold the hand up sometimes and say, you know what, I think I got that, that decision wrong, let me correct myself here and go, and go back and sort of make, a, make amends in some way. I think whether you're a leader or you've got your own business or whatever, that's just a rule for life. I think you're going to keep learning and you're going to keep failing mm. and you're going to keep getting mm. things wrong. But as long as when you get them wrong, you go, oh, actually, I'll learn from that and move forward in a different direction. Like, definitely. Every, and, and I think when you look back through your LinkedIn career or whatever, every single every single job you were saying before, I know about some of the companies you've been at seven years or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm sure you and I have both been at businesses where we've had to be let go because of redundancies and things like that. So there's also challenging moments like that. And you but you learn throughout the process, you learn that you can bounce back from things, you learn to adapt and evolve from things. And, and I think, you know, that that's ideally what we bring to the palette here with the with the podcast is that kind of that, that we still love what we do. And we bring that passion to it. Oh, totally, totally. And I, 
I mean, I, every day I and I, I did it even at maybe not at 20 because the Internet was pretty rubbish back then. But going <laughs> going through sites like the Die Line just to have a look at some of the fantastic designs and brands that are being created out there. I'd use the Die Line's example. There's plenty of others. Um, you know, not sponsored look, this show. <laughs> no, exactly. But just getting inspired by what other people are doing and other work that's being created out there, and beautiful work. And like I said, I still do this now. Every now and again, I'll just log on. Like, God, that looks lovely. I'd love to be involved in that project. And the designer, sometimes as a designer or as a creative, you look at it and think, I wish I'd had a, a go at that project, or I wish that was my idea because it's beautiful. And there's so much of it now, more so now than ever, where people are more more people are sharing their great work so many different areas and aspects you can be inspired by as well isn't it and I think the more I put myself and you would probably be the same into situations that I feel uncomfortable in the more I'm inspired and learn by the situation I'm in so you know like I know since our last talk I've done I I was on a sustainability forum so there was a panel of really great people talking about sustainability the planet the future and how we move brands forward rather than letting them fall into a hero trap and so and I was super inspired by some of the people on that panel and and so I think sometimes putting ourselves into the uncomfortable positions is a really positive step to learn more. Just never stop. Like you say, load up the dial line, see what great work's going on, see that Facebook is rebranded today and all of those things and have and form an opinion on it. Go, oh, I, I don't know how I feel about this. And it doesn't always, I do think there's a lot of history in our industry of people bagging on each other and I hate it. I hate that, oh, I don't like that. People on LinkedIn going, oh, does this remind you of something else? Like, stop it. Just if you've got nothing positive to say, don't say it. And I'm not all for whoop whooping people. And, and you know, I'm, I'm all for kind of constructive criticism because I'd want to be told or pulled up or have, you know, I like to hear the bad stuff as well as the good stuff because that's how you grow. But I think when you do it on a public forum, like I actually love to look at great creative work, mm. even if it's not mine. Yeah, oh, I do. I do too. And even looking at <coughs> excuse me, other people's uh, folio sites um, and to seeing some of the stuff that they've and the way they think you can't help but be not just inspired but sometimes in awe of these these people of what they're able to do and a prime example is looking at sometimes some people illustrators people who produce these fantastic images and visuals that you see that sometimes appear on packaging but there are skill sets out there that I know I just couldn't do or at least it would take me an awful long time to train to do. And yet these guys just have a natural flair for it and they're putting themselves out there. You know, essentially, inspiration is everywhere in every corner. And I think that's also what's something that's super exciting over the last few years and definitely over the last 18 months or so that during the pandemic, there's been a new wave of creativity. So mm. I think it's a really good time. You talk about illustration and the art of the craft and now we're starting to see NFTs. So we're starting to attach value to digital art. And I think that's exciting. NFT I see some of the di- NFT? Non-fungible token. <laughs> So we'll do another episode another time on all of this kind of whole um, <laughs> the whole crypto thing. But ultimately, a piece of art, normally digital art, we see it as a JPEG or whatever. It can be mass produced, mass manufactured. But uh, an NFT acts where someone has digitally signed it as you were. Um, there's a record that that has been created and therefore people... Um, the value is attached to it and you can buy a piece of digital art in the same way you would traditionally buy a piece of physical art. But the coding that's because digital is obviously binary digits. I'm going to go into a different weird level now. Aren't I? It's about the ones and noughts. I know I've had a very busy few months. I've been learning a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the noughts and ones added together. So 
in when something is digital, there's still a sequence that created it. And if that can't be mass produced at the same time on the same scale and the same level, you know, we, I always try and liken it to like a physical thing, like on Shutterstock, you can go online and buy 10, 10 people can use the same image. But with digital art, it used to be you go into an art gallery and buy a piece of art. If there's a digital form of that and you can attach value to it, that changes the game for creatives that for ages have gone, oh, it's just an online thing. I just buy a version of it. I save the image. You can't do that anymore with some of the, the digital. You can buy digital forms of it. Mm. And so I just think it gives creative a value that it's never had before. And Please. I think that's that for me is super exciting. We'll, we'll park that because <laughs> it's a massive... I that feel is like a it's subject. A I need to look up on that. You need to talk about doing I know nothing about <laughs> we'll, we'll come back on that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but yeah, you'll have seen non non fungible tokens. You'll have seen them in the news. Yes. I love the fact that, and also, it is a decentralized system, so it means that it's not dictated by, say, banks going, "This is worth ten thousand dollars," and this is worth like people attach the value to it because of the scarcity of it. Watch some Tom Bilyeu. I know you're a fan of Tom yep. Bilyeu, the man mm-hmm. with the, um, slightly large ears that does the podcast. He talks about it. <laughs> There you yeah. go. I've been listening to way too much Gary V. This is what happens when you let me loose with a podcast, Mark. Dear me. I start, I start listening and learning about all of these things. <laughs> well, no, it's good, and also the fact, the very, the very fact that you've been in lockdown over there, it's um, it's given you yes, a bit of time to explore awesome. what else is out there. It's also helped. <laughs> so uh, we've we've wrote it a set list here of what we're going to discuss, and what something that sort of jumped out at me here is squiggly careers. And, you know, we were, just, we were discussing about, so if you've reached that point of that goal that you set of, as if working in this example as a creator director, where do you go from there now? What, what, how do you assess what you want to do next? And what, for you, Liz, what is your next goal? What do you want to be doing? Well, I think that's that's where for me and then we talk about squiggly careers because you have this straight line and it's never a straight yes. line. You go forward, you go back. And, you know, look, that's last right. year I had my own business, too, before I started at SGK. I had my own business. I was very happy kind of doing my own thing. And I know mm. that's the space you're in now. I do quite like working directly with clients and directly with people. Yeah. But actually what I love more right now is I love the team mm. and I actually love seeing what amazing things other people can do. And so. At the minute, obviously, it's kind of early days for me working with SGK. So, you know, they mm-hmm. might get rid of me within a year because I'm known as the rebel in the business. <laughs> so never yeah, say never. Um, but I love the fact that I'm challenging what is perhaps a corporate culture within the business mm-hmm. and that I'm able just to push creative to a level that even I've, like, I'm not got a digital background, but I'm seeing designers and helping kind of nurture some of those designers and kind of challenge them to to move us into spaces we've never been in before how is you finding that Liz? So, I mean, this is, you, that's a really good point because that's something that i was going to pick up on is working in, in an environment and a sort of corporation that is as large as um yours is SGK, um yeah how moving and adapting things and changing things the way in which you want to change them is it sounds to me like you're trying to move forgive the cliche the titanic in terms of you want to sort of change (laughs) look it does feel like that sometimes and look and i think within big businesses you're still gonna have to work within certain goalposts. but i think i've always talked about change isn't something because people like 
even my mom teases me, what do you mean you want to change the world? And you go, look, it's not about going out there and we're not, Elon, it's not about being Elon Musk or whatever. It's not about that. I don't want to be the next Nike. But if you can make small incremental changes over a prolonged period of time, that makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. And so I think if within a big corporation business, you can perhaps challenge some of the dominant cultures that have been there. Some of the attitudes that are like, we don't do that, we do this. You actually just take a brief and, and do it. Yeah. And actually just go ahead and try and do it. We're doing some of the bravest work I've probably seen um, and led even in my career right now. Like I, it's just a shame that I'm not producing a lot of it. But, you know, I think when you, st- when you start to see the slight amounts of change, then you get excited about the change you can build. And they've been good enough in that I also do do the side things. You know, like we do this podcast. I love it. You do teaching with General Assembly. I put myself on panels. So I have to grow in that way as well. I think mm. if I didn't have that, I would struggle a bit more. So... It's not about the title. It's about, am I still learning? Am I still growing? Yes, I am. So that's cool. And I think for you, like now you've gone back to kind of, like you've got different goals, right? You want to build a Mm. house that you're working on. You've got that goal as a side goal to actually, I love what I do. I love our industry. I want to work directly with clients and with people. I think one of the interesting things is, and something I'm sure you have an opinion on, is in a few years' time, we're going to look back on... 2019 2020 21 22 and see that every single organization not just within our design industry has had to adapt and change they've had to change their working environments they've had to some people have reduced their working studio spaces so people adapting to people working from home um, and allowing um, their team members to work in a, in a more flexible environment where they can work from home which is something I've, I've always been very keen on anyway but now that's allowing not just um, freelancers, for example, anyone in an environment, on, even on the payroll, can have that sort of flexible working environment where they can sort of adapt their day according to their lifestyle, work later in the evening, whatever it might be, work weekends, however that sort of looks for them. Um, and I, I wonder how... How, we, how it's going to change moving forward. How, you know, we're going to look back in a few years' time and say, that's that pinpoint when it changed during COVID. We had to change. We had to adapt. And no one wants to go back. I'm sure you've got members of your teams who think, you know what, I don't want to go back into the office five days a week. Is that right? I think, look, the whole, I think the whole goalpost, yes, they, yes. Um, but also the whole goalposts have changed. So I think because our mentalities and our mindsets around the whole world of work and what we do and our purpose and everything has changed. And, I was talking about this a little bit today in terms of why also like people buy into people. So there's also that the goalposts are different and that you can work with anyone anywhere in the world if they're the right person, they're the right fit. So I've always said that people buy into people and then obviously you want the people that can do what you do. So both for yourself and for I, before I started working with SGK, it became a good opportunity for people to go, I really enjoyed working with Mark or I really enjoyed working with Lise. I can do that again now. And it doesn't matter where you're located or based. And I think it's a really exciting time. You don't have to be good at everything. That's also a big thing that's come out of this year. Collaborate with the people that are good at the bits you're not because now you can and it's easier. And definitely for like for us as a business, like we rebranded just um, at the tail end of last year, just before I started into SGK, before it was lots of other businesses. But actually, rather than us going, we've got an expertise in packaging and print design and we've got a really good background in that. But now the world changed and we changed. What a great time for us to explore solving problems together. 
with clients, with whoever we need to pull in at the time. If you're excited about solving a problem, and, and that's what creative industries do, right? They find a problem and they try and solve it or they innovate to solve problems that are not yet created. That's exciting. And we're finding new ways to do it. All of these different, we followed it during the pandemic, those COVID innovations. And the amount of podcasts we did during the pandemic was just, you know, like it was, it, it changed us in different ways and to different levels. We talked about lockdowns and not lockdowns. And we talked about brand pivot bold pivots and bravery and resilience and all of that it became a more of a mental mindset and a consumer focused world and I think it's become a more human-centered world and so I actually think yeah like the the work model is will change but I'm sure in a future podcast we'll talk about that um, but you know the fact that you're able to be in your little Downton Abbey and able to work directly with clients anywhere in the world we can still do a podcast and we can flex our hours like I do I do love the fact that the flexible hours has really helped if you're good at what you do and you enjoy what you do I don't I don't think nine to five has been a thing in creative for a long time I think it's in also business meant, it's it also still meant is. you as a manager and I'm sorry to keep referring to this but you as a manager say have had to say Say leader, I have a massive issue with the leader. word manager. Okay, you as a, <laughs> as a people leader or as a team leader, um, you have had to also adapt as well because um, the way in which you lead these individuals and people within your team has had to change because you're not seeing people face-to-face. You can't pull people aside and say, can I have a quick conversation with you, please? Or pull members of the team aside and say, listen, we need to sort of all work together in this particular direction. So you've had to change yeah. too. It has. And I was really anxious about how it might all play out. Um, The team have been brilliant. I've actually had, I've become close. I hope I've become closer to them since because I've been able to brainstorm and work directly with people. There's also, it's a weird, weird mental shift because also I had to change my own mental shift. Because look, if you, if you want to spend your lunchtime because you're not in a studio and you want to have a power nap, you can. But there's a weird bit of my mind that's normally like, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going. Like we spoke before this, I've got a call tonight at 12 o'clock midnight because I'm working with a global team. So, But no one's watching you. You're your own worst enemy. As long as you get the job done. We live in a world that's constantly taught us as long as you're clocked on between nine and five. And I have this conversation a lot, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're good. You, if you can if you can solve the problem and understand the goal and the challenge and get there it shouldn't be based on how many hours you've been in a, in a studio it should be on you reaching a goal getting a job done and so I think this whole pandemic has been really good for that and I think it will change our industry for the better for those that didn't see it before it's not about whether you've done 20 hours work it's about whether you reach the target the goal did you could exceed it in doing six hours work so I think you know it's it's if it's an interesting shift and change and definitely being part of a big business it is as well because there are obviously still hours you're expected to be online yeah. and i think the other thing as well which is and it's always been the case as well everyone works at a different pace um and then not only that people not only do they work at a different pace they also work at better at different times of the day so the flexible working environments do benefit those people which be like yourself lise will happily work into the early hours of the morning because you feel that's when you produce your best work but also decline, decline the meetings that I've declined two meetings that are at 5 a.m. this week. Yeah. But I've accepted the ones at 11 p.m. So you, yeah. like you say, you figure out what works for you. Yeah. Well, this is this is true. And then, you know, over time, the people within your um, close teams will start to know when when best to contact you or when how best to work with you. Um, no, it's, it's really interesting. I'm really excited to see how this adapts. And of course, all the businesses businesses have had to adapt too. So I know we've touched on this before, how your business any business SGK will have had to adapt their, all their working processes where they 
for example, save files, how they sort of communicate with each other, the Zoom chats, the Microsoft Teams chats, you know, Skype chats, whatever you use, wherever you're using it, everyone's had to adapt. Everyone becoming more of a digital savvy um, company, you know. And it's, it's, it's been too, it's been exciting. It's finally we've got on the cloud. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> we're finally on a cloud-based system. It took a global pandemic for it to yes, happen. But, but every company's been the same. Yeah, yeah. Every company's been the same. And it's it's quite scary. And it's certainly a business at your scale, that's a substantial investment. So it's probably taken some time because of the sheer scale that they're having to work with. So, you know, even as someone like myself with a very small business, making everything digital you know hasn't been as complex but nonetheless it's still a big financial outlay to make sure and changing processes uh, yeah exactly things are changing rapidly and, and that is the one thing that being part of a big business does enable is that you can actually i learn as much from my team as they might learn from me and so i think that organic chart of you're the leader of these people actually almost needs flipping upside down to go actually you represent these people but i learn as much from everyone in my team as perhaps they learn from me just in different capacities and areas and that's one of the challenging things about having your own business is that there aren't as many people around to learn from so you have to go out and figure out the solutions or you just you've got to be good at kind of keeping yourself afloat in those kind of situations i think that's probably why do i know about nfts probably because of you know all the people that i surround myself with <laughs> <laughs> yeah the crypto geeks brilliant and funny enough you're saying you're you're investing in sort of the crypto world that's quite interesting <laughs> that's, it's, it's positive it's great I, I, and even just look, one of the things that really excites me definitely about our business, but also from a personal point of view is the sustainability. We've spoken about it before, mm. but the digital sustainability space is really interesting. So to go into a space where I learn about crypto, but then also which cryptocurrencies are more sustainable than others. Like, I never thought I'd know this kind of stuff. But I'm just fascinated to learn so much more about how to make the now that we're all online, how do you make the online experience more sustainable? And people go, but it's online. Surely it's not. It's not like packaging design. It's not like we can recycle it. It's like, no, but the amount of carbon, a bit like solar panels on your house, like it uses energy. Why does your Apple phone dim itself at night to preserve battery life? Think about that in the world and the energy we use from the world like it needs we need to save the planet so i think there's i'm learning so much from those kind of spaces and i think that's why it, that's why it excites me um but that's just you know that's just my character that's really good but um but but you know what we've got we put something together organically we've kind of gone off on tangents and we've waffled way too much about us so let's 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 go back on track and we've we've put some things in here so tell us some of the we've spoken about some of our challenges We've not really spoken about things I thought about pa what you're passionate about and what you're scared of. Um, what scares you about our industry, Mark? We've talked about a lot of the positive things. We're super excited about brands, where the world's going and creativity. Tell me one thing that scares you. It can be stupid if you want. Um, the speed at which things are changing at the moment, I think, is quite scary. When you are working in, this goes back to the office environment, and when you're commuting into an office environment, you can see and you're absorbing the changes that are happening. When you're working, let's say, in a home environment or outside of an office environment where you're not engaging these touch points that you'd normally have, would have had previously, you start to see things. When, you've, when you're going on that journey, uh, the metaphorical journey, 
you start to see things changing quicker. I am starting to see some stuff now, and I mentioned before about inspiration, stuff that's happening in our industry, which is happening really quickly, sustainability of being involved in packaging. That's been a conversation that has been going on for 25 years. When I first started my design career, 20, 25 years ago, it was one of the things that was being spoken about back then, and it hasn't changed. We need to become more sustainable. We need to have less packaging, um, less plastics, using less cardboard. You know, and these are conversations that will always be had and there's always going to be a need to become more um, more eco- ecologically friendly in a way. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? And so I that's th- what, th- what I'm scared think- of most is the speed at which things are changing right now and it's very quick and we're having to adapt quite quickly to, in order to make it happen. So these conversations that we're having now are really helping. Oh, definitely. And to push that wheel. And I think, to be honest, it can't happen quick enough. So I actually think, you know, for all of the people like Greta Thunberg and stuff like that, like it can't happen quick enough. The conversations about sustainability is actually, um, you know, there's that saying you're going to achieve something by 2030. It's kind of like half it's halfway there to me. 2030 is a long way away. That's like almost saying I'll make small incremental steps towards 2030. What massive steps can you make now yeah because we the if you've seen the um, documentary on netflix that talks about the levels of panic we need to be in we need to panic now and the conversations we were having 20 years ago we need to be more exposed to them and you need to just activate change like it's not and and australia is terrible like we we don't even have a sustainability plan in australia because we think we're you know, full of abundance and greenery. So no, I think people now definitely after last year and, and in the past few years, people are really looking at this and making radical change. There's also a lot of people speaking out, which I think is nice. And, and that's what makes a difference. I think disregard all of the speed of the kind of sustainability talk technology, Mark, like some of the stuff that Adobe are doing right now is insanely scary for someone like you or I who used to sit down with a pencil and <laughs> still sketch do. and crap. I still do that. Yeah. Still do that now. Oh look strategy I still I still think strategy starts with a pencil and like sketching rather than just building straight into a Mac. But some of the technology can enable what it can enable us to do is if you've got an idea, it can create it. And that's the kind of the exciting bit. Some of the stuff like blows my mind, some of the um, different software that we can get hold of now and what we can do with it blows my mind yeah so totally. that's super exciting, but a little bit scary at the same time yeah and that's when you say scared the fear of being left behind i think is the other one we've all got it and almost you want to have your finger on the pulse all the time is that possible i don't know i don't know can you be at the forefront of you know creativity all the time or are there at some points in your life or career where you were just that sort of little step behind because you're playing catch up or you spent time in another area for example me doing some house renovation work house development work i know i feel like i'm sort of taking my finger off the pulse in terms of what's going on in the creative world because i'm out there learning how to put foundations in a bloody building whatever it might be so you know there's this their skill sets but yes you have to you have to you have to take a little I also bit. I also think the the time out that you take somehow supplements when you do bring it back in so I think yeah you might you might not have been skilled up necessarily on what's been going on in like software and stuff like that but I think any skill that you learn outside of your you know being a design director or whatever it is that you are you bring it back in I always think about that like I listen to podcasts that, and read books that are nothing related to design be it about nutrition like I'm passionate about food and nutrition and the science behind it and people go that 
it's nothing that you need it's not related to our industry at all but at some point it comes back in so what you're learning about even the housing foundations what if in the future you have to explain that to someone in a simpler way in our in our industry uh, we we have to explain things and unpack and we have to take things apart and put them back together simpler, better, cleaner so someone else can understand them. So I think the skills of you learning something new will be brought back in to the creative oh, industry. Somewhere. Massively, massively. And again, it's one of the reasons why I made that shift um, from moving from, I want to say central London, southwest London to out here in the country is to enable those sort of things sorts of things to happen so learning new skills being able to take the dog onto the moors you know daily for example before work or you know little examples like that which is something which wouldn't i couldn't facilitate in central london but something i can do here so you know whilst those are life's challenges we're going back again to what those goals were from when we first sort of set out with our, within our careers now, I didn't have a goal at the age of 20 to be able to take the dog for walk on a daily basis onto the moors. You know, <laughs> those sort of things. Well, so that was the last thing on my mind. But, you know, even the concept of having a dog wasn't possible in central London, really feasibly or realistically. So, you know, little things like that and being able to have a two-year-old running around the garden, you know, causing havoc, shouting and screaming, do what he wants. He couldn't have done that in central London because we'd have been sort of concerned about, you know, annoying the neighbours because we were living in a little tiny house. So those sort of things you you do adapt and your sort of goals do change and i guess that's where i'm at the moment so going back to what we're scared of and what i'm passionate about my passion now is to follow um for me as an individual my passion is to sort of follow those sort of lifetime ambitions and goals and I often have these discussions with lorraine and she probably suggests i don't do it enough but talking about what we want to be doing in terms of you know having a a, a comfortable environment here for us to be living in so outside of uh, that work environment you know something something we can enjoy be it walking the dog and playing with a two-year-old out in the garden those sort of things which are you know sort of life's sort of life's great things being able to enjoy something that isn't necessarily work related and i guess you've probably got something similar lisa for, for you uh, like i i've always been on it and i it's been classed as a negative in the past is that like I am quite defined by not necessarily the role that I'm doing but by the creative world so there is a very blurry line for me between work and life like my work is my life and that doesn't mean that I work all the time I don't I've learned not to but creativity in some way manifests itself is who I am and so I don't have that work-life separation like they very much fuse together I just happen to have found an agency or been lucky enough to connect and work with an agency that doesn't necessarily expect you to be working you know to burnout levels and, and I've learned that when to watch those kind of things this, so you're, you're saying I, that in I, one step one breath when you've got a call at midnight <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I know yeah. but it's to play with the cool kids I'm part yeah, of this amazing and, uh, again this is this this is the stuff that excites me. So connecting with people who are as passionate about our industry as you and I are. So the people that are on this call, because I tell you, I wouldn't really want, I'd quite happily just sit there with my camera off and pretend that I'm on a call when I'm actually power napping on the sofa if it wasn't. <laughs> my, my team are amazing and the people that I've connected with and that, you know, it's only because they're on different time zones and stuff like that. So I'm actually excited to connect in here with other people and their journey and then work with them to build something bigger than what we have right now. So I think my passions come from working with other people to build something bigger than us 
be that for a brand, be that for a person. I love the teaching stuff that I do. So that, you know, like I do that in most people go, but that's your personal time. It's not because it's all fused together. So there's, you know, I think I, I enjoy it or else I wouldn't do it. If I, if I hated it that much, I just wouldn't do it. it also, it's also a challenging thing. So I'm scared of, I used to be scared. Everything that I've scared of, I've tried to conquer it. So scared of talking in front of people. We still have, even in our careers this far on, imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Can I do what I do? Would someone want to talk to me? Would someone even want to listen to our podcast? There's still those doubts that we have in our head. But I think the more you do, the you don't we've never got an ego you and I have never kind of brought the ego to the table but you start to get a bit more comfortable about well you, you just care less about what the people think I, I suppose mm. I think that comes with that changes age and wisdom doesn't it you the older you get the less you're concerned about other people's thoughts about you I know I'm like that I don't know whether you're the same as I'm sure you are I think you you learn to park the ones that matter to you, I think. So I think the people you respect and admire, you obviously care what they think and you take their advice on board and, and want to grow within yourself. So I think, you know, be it a work or, or even in a personal capacity, you know, like I think the people around you, you also come if someone goes, oh, like you're, you're too, you're a bit like this sometimes or you're a bit, you're a bit hot headed sometimes. You take those on board in your personal life and in your work life. Um, so I guess like scared wise, like I'm scared of silly things like big parties and stuff like that. Um, I'm a bit of a soloist, despite the fact that I like to um, be part of a team. I'm, yeah, passionate about our, our industry and the work that we do. Well, you put a little summary here, and that's we're quite sort of apt, really. Is no, but look, we we were going to throw into a um, tell someone a silly fact that they don't know about you from this podcast. Uh, we've kind of already talked a lot about what we're excited about in the future. What do we want to talk about next on the podcast? Should probably be the thing. I've got a guest that I definitely want to bring in that's keen to do an episode on sustainability. So that's exciting. We need some more topics to talk about. NFTs is going to have to be one, isn't it? That's going to, that's going to be like a Mark and Lisa lunch and, lunch and learn session. <laughs> yes, damn. Well, maybe it's just me asking questions because I know very little <laughs> about it. Again, like you said, I've heard about this, those discussions that we had certainly on the likes of social media. NFTs is a game. It's a game changer for our industry, and it's a game changer for the future of of art and creativity in general. Um, to be able to attach value to digital art, so that's super. I'm excited by that. There you go. I'm excited by that. What are you excited by, Mark? What am I excited by? Getting getting better, and also, you know, I touched it before. I'm in the process of um, converting one of our sheds into an outside office because currently I work inside the house. And as I said before, as much as I love our little son, when he's screaming and has one of his hissy fits, it reverberates around the whole house and I can't escape it. So the thought of having a working out in this sort of a garden office is so appealing. So that's what I'm looking forward to is having a little soundproofed office out there that I can lock the door where it has sort of um, fingerprint technology to only allows me in the ha- and the dog maybe he's got a paw print. Maybe you can build in facial recognition. Well, I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to the resumption of travel. I know you guys have been yes, traveling for a while, so that I can get back over there and see your little mansion with your yeah. Uh, well, you'll be very well facial whenever. recognition. <laughs> yeah, I have to load up your face onto the system so it allows you <laughs> with uh, my laminated yeah. eyebrows. Yes, that's again. That's another podcast we can have. Is what the hell is a laminated eyebrow? High definition I've heard of, laminated eyebrows I haven't. It's a new it's a new print service from SGK. <laughs> Dear me. Well, listen, I, I, maybe I should put myself forward as a, a, 
potential model to use. I've got hairy eyebrows, so <laughs> you can see what, what you can do with them. Lise, listen. It's this been, been really good catching yeah. up, hasn't it, after so long? Yeah, thank you ever so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Lise. Bye-bye.